It was a large, dim, dingy room. Down one side was a long bar, where both light and patrons clustered like moths around a flame. The other side stretched off into the gloom, and the far wall was more imagined than seen. It was a gray kind of group, slack-faced and withdrawn. The only thing they seemed to have in common is the desire to be lonely, but not alone. Conversations such as they existed were murmured and sharp-edged. Suddenly laughter cut through the air like lightning through a cloud. It was as out of place as a white elephant, and all turned in that direction. In a corner, on the far side of the room, was an old wingback chair, almost invisible in the gloom. And maybe that was a man sitting in it, but no one was sure. The voice that followed was deep and clear. It said, In a room full of untold stories, it's a pity no one will share. Well, here is my story, and may it give tongue to your own. You just can't believe everything you hear. The Sudden Death of Luke A. Lucas by Harold E. Somerville My Lord, Luke, you're here! Gasping the words, Ed Bosworth stopped, thunderstruck at the door. Well, come in, old fella. You look upset. What's wrong? Luke A. Lucas, he of the mighty brain and the intellectual dome, cleared a stack of law books from a chair and placed it for his collar. Bosworth, without taking his astonished eyes from the attorney, slowly seated himself. Let me feel of you, he said, extending a hand and grasping the arm of Lucas. You are here, ain't you? And why shouldn't I be? These are my office hours. But I heard you was dead. Came in to congratulate your partner. I mean, condole him. Excuse me. Eh? What's that you say? Luke leaned forward, his brows knit. Heard I was dead? Where'd you hear such nonsense as that? On the street, three or four folks spoke of it. Said it was too bad about poor Luke. Uh, I've been at home with a touch of rheumatiz for a day or two. But I don't even look sick, do I? No, Luke, you don't. Well, who told you I was dead? Well, old Bill Marsh, for one, said it was your heart. Henry Bass thought it was acute indigestion. Mel Barker heard you had a shock. Otto Rumblefinger understood. Lucas, very much alive, sprang to his feet and reached for his hat. I'll go see Marsh about this, he declared. You come along, Ed. They hurried up the village street to the office of Luke's chief professional rival. Bill was at his desk. What do you mean, you old scoundrel, demanded Lucas, by spreading rumors that I am dead? Why, I, I heard you was. The surprise betrayed by Marsh was unmistakably genuine. Where in the devil did you hear that stuff? Marsh reflected. I think Cy Latham was the first who told me. Then Joe Burke. But Lucas was gone, Bosworth at his heels. In Latham's grocery store, Cy was weighing out a sack of flour for a customer. 
At the sight of the supposedly dead, he lowered the scoop and its contents whitened the floor. Luke Lucas, he groaned. Ed, be I seeing things? Or is that Luke standing there beside you? It's Luke, testified Bosworth. I fell to him to make certain sure. From Latham, the trail was followed to Smith's sanitary barber shop, thence to Whitney's drugstore, across the street to Atherson's Dry Goods Emporium, next to Mrs. Garrison's millinery parlors, up the hill to the cottage of Miss Parker, the spinster dressmaker, and finally to the office of the weekly Argus. Orman Holt, the editor and proprietor, took one look at Luke A. Lucas and bolted out the rear door. Thirty seconds later, he returned. I've stopped the press, Luke, he announced. You was printing my death in the paper? Just heard it about fifteen minutes before I closed the forms. Only had time to squeeze in a paragraph to say that, as we go to press, we learn with deep regret. Hadn't run off more than a dozen copies, and I'd thrown them away. You showed up in the nick of time, Luke. What started that yarn? The editor, it appeared, had his information from a most reliable source, the truthful lips of the Reverend Joshua Stubbins. To the Reverend Joshua went Lucas. Well, well, exclaimed the clergyman. This is indeed a most gratifying surprise. I'm cheating you out of a funeral fee, Luke reminded him. My dear man, beamed the sky pilot, raising a hand in protest. Such a thought never entered my mind. The pastor had learned of Luke's reported demise from Simon Cook, the village teamster, and the Reverend Mr. Steubens gave full credence to the story, for Cook had it direct from Dr. Ferguson. So to Ferguson's office, here the appearance of the living ghost occasioned no astonishment. What can I do for you, gentlemen, inquired the doctor, when Luke and Ed were seated, and which one shall I do it for? We're both well and strong, replied the lawyer. Do we look it? You do. Ferguson lifted his eyebrows. But I'm a dead man, doctor, by your own statement, announced Lucas. Is this a joke? the physician asked. I may be dense, but I fail to get the point. Luke A. Lucas, he of the mighty brain and the intellectual dome, spoke slowly and accusingly. You told Simon Cook that I was dead. The story has gone all over town. It even gotten to the Argus. I could sue you for slander. Man alive, exclaimed the doctor, not realizing the peculiar fitness of his expletive. I never said any such thing. Not to Simon Cook or anyone else. His denial was uttered with such convincing emphasis, Lucas, more than ever bewildered, accepted it. I knew, said he, that it wasn't like you to make up a story out of whole cloth, but we're such good friends that I figured maybe you were having a little fun at my expense. I'm sorry, Doc, to have come to you with this, but Parson Steubing said Cook got it direct from you. I guess I owe you a box of cigars, and now I'll be getting after Cook. We'll see what the stupid ass has to say for himself. Luke and Ed arose and moved toward the door. The doctor's gaze at that moment wandered to a smooth white object reposing on his desk and remained fixed there for a fully ten seconds. Then he burst out in uproarious laughter. He lifted the thing and displayed it to his callers. 
Here, he said, this explains your story. It's one I ordered recently. It arrived yesterday. I had just unpacked it when Simon came in with a bruised finger. He picked it up and looked it over. Never had seen one before, I imagine. He asked me what it was. He's addicted, you know, to the foolish question habit. Oh, I said offhand, that's Luke Lucas's skull. And the doggone fool must have thought I meant it. The End As The End faded away, the group seemed to shake and whimper like a puppy coming out of a deep sleep. The room grew brighter, and people started talking to their neighbor, telling marvelous stories. No one noticed that in the now visible far corner stood an old chair occupied only by an overcoat.